You're listening to the Black Belt Podcast and this is episode 30. Today's guest is Johan De Silva. Johan is a 7th degree black belt in ITF Taekwondo. He runs a very successful club across a number of locations in London. He has been a national team coach for both England and most recently Wales. He is the warrior half of the Dragon Warrior Tour with Stefan Tapilatu who was on the show recently. Johan also organises the Warrior Open which is a tournament I have spoken about before with the other organiser and previous guest Tim Cool. Johan has recently launched his TKD Techers app, which is a home training app that focuses on many aspects of Taekwondo. You can download the app from the App Store on Apple and Android. And to accompany the, the app, Johan also has a YouTube channel, where you can see a lot of top quality matches from a lot of top quality competitors within ITF. There'll be a link in the description for you to check it out. As always, like, share and subscribe, and hope you enjoy. So what's up, Johan? How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Jamie. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Like I was just saying, the, the boredom was kicking in. I, I want to get back training and uh, and teaching, and hopefully, uh, we're t- hopefully we're on the back end of all of, all of this interruption. I suppose. Yes, I think it's a difficult time. It's uh, you know definitely miss the students and miss training, uh, and hopefully it'll be sooner rather than later. But I think that we might have a little bit of time still. You know. Yeah, it's like that. The, the kind of uh, some restrictions will start to be lifted soon, like the fifth of May over here. Um, but I don't know right. if the, I don't know if that's going to be. Taekwondo clubs will be back training. Yes, and I think even when restrictions are lifted, what we're preparing ourselves for is there's going to be a bit of a kind of emotional impact on on people and the willingness to 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 go out and train at least immediately. So that'll take a little bit of time, but hopefully everyone will settle in soon and we can get back to normal. Yeah, you you started some online classes. How how have they been going? Oh yeah, fantastic! Actually, um, <clears throat> I took a couple of weeks. So we we stopped as soon as we thought those. You know, we saw sort of the gravity of the situation. So the seventeenth of March is when we stopped, and we told the students that straight away there'd be a two week break because we normally stop for two weeks for Easter. And then myself and Calvin and the rest of the team we planned all the sessions. So we have um, sort of eight Taekwondo classes in the week. That's in the evenings with all the separate grades and the little ones. And then during the day, we have every morning, we have a fitness and well-being class. So on Monday and Friday, there's yoga. I teach boxing on Tuesday and like a cardio combat class on a Thursday. And on Wednesday, there's a strength and conditioning. But those classes are absolutely free. They're free to all students, to all friends or family. Because what we what we thought was, you know, it's not just our students at home. All the families are at home as well. Yeah, sure. And especially with the homeschooling. You know, it's difficult for the kids because, you know, normally they're in a school environment and they've got their friends and they've got playtime and they've got break and they're in, they're in a learning environment. And for the parents as well, you know, they're trying to teach the kids. And, and, and you know, so we there's something that we do. And, you know, I just finished my class this morning. And for me, I, I love it. It's a it's a great way for me to start my day, to see everyone, to train with them. And uh, so we've had a really good response. And, you know, it's a new experience for us all. But for me, I've also taken as an opportunity to develop my sort of teaching skill set because it's very different when you're interacting in person and then you're trying to communicate that you know on on screen really and and make sure that everyone has a sort of a a, you you know an an enjoyable experience they enjoy the class so like when we're doing our taekwondo classes we have two instructors you've got one we call the co-pilot they're there so you've got the person who's demonstrating and leading the class and the other one who's giving feedback and helping the, 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 the guys with corrections and just motivating them as well. So it's uh, so far so good, given it's the first time that we've done it, but we're enjoying it. And 
the students seem to be responding well as well. Yeah, that was the the, the challenge. I think like nobody fully knew fully knew it when it first kind of started like how long it was going to be so and yes. you know whether to like like you said it took a bit of time to maybe get the classes and get set up to, mm. to really uh, to really be able to do the online class as well no definitely we wanted to plan it first I mean you know so many people reacted so quickly it was I mean it was incredible really and the one thing I have seen is you know what's great is that as a kind of community Taekwondo community everyone has been sharing knowledge you know you've got instructors posting tips on how they set up their classes you know where they're really tech you know techy and they've sort of given tips you've got everyone hosting open classes and encouraging others and even though we're sort of isolated say physically um that's one thing i felt that there's been you know a real opportunity for everyone to connect you know uh you know like we are now i mean it's yeah. wonderful to to see you i saw you you know just before before everything happened you were here the warrior open but it's great to speak to you and see you and last night i taught the class and i had um you know i had some guys from you know claudia and stephanie from you know from the states and nicholas dusard from canada join me uh, trinidad as well and ariella from vegas so they're all joining my my classes as well and normally we have to wait for a, a world championship or a world cup for the guys outside of europe or a, or, a, or a big event so it's really nice yeah it's kind of cool as well yeah i've had a like that I had a it was Elijah everyone was saying like when he was on there he like that some guys big into kickboxing like there's been some crossover there and some students yeah. and that that he's been working with or they, they've had a chance to even Kev, Kev Baldwin was saying as well that some they've some he've had some top guys in kickboxing take some of his classes through Zoom so some of his students have had an opportunity to train and nearly get like a seminar wow. with some of these top, top names because like that just yeah. this is what's presented and you don't usually get this opportunity to kind of have something like that happen no it's fantastic i mean training in your living room rather than traveling it's 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 good it's it's a great way to connect so how did you actually how did you get started in uh in taekwondo well basically so i went to so i'm sri lankan and i was in in sri lanka on holiday and uh i broke my toe on the first day literally first day running around with my cousins so I, and it was bad as well so then I was just sitting at home and then, you know, my cousins brought in a karate kid and I'll say the proper karate kid, the original yeah, karate yeah. kid. Right. So I was yeah. watching that. I must, I must have watched it about 11 times. And as soon as I came home, you know, I told my mom and dad that I wanted to, that I'd like to learn martial arts. So in terms of Taekwondo, I was, it was luck really. It was luck because they literally started Taekwondo at my school, um, that, that term in that September. Uh, and the instructor is a uh, senior master, Arthur De Silva. So no relation, but, uh, you know, it was, it was nice, but everyone thought I was his son and I, I feel I did get preferential treatment, but, uh, no, it was nice. So that was really how I started Taekwondo. It was at my prep school when I was eight as an after school club. And then I trained until I was 11. And when, when I left school, I actually, my parents contacted the school and they asked if I could come back sort of, you know, if I could make it back, uh, from school in time. And they allowed me to continue. So I, I used to come back and I was the first one to do that. So really, that's that's how it all started. Yeah. So a uh, bit of luck that it was Taekwondo in the first place, but definitely a decision, life decision that I've stayed with it because, you know, I love it. Yeah, I think partly what kind of kept me into competition as early was seeing the original Karate Kid and and, and that trophy, yeah. the big trophy he wins at the end. A big trophy. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Like, so you always kind of were hoping that you went to every competition hoping that is that this today the day you get one of them really big ones. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to speak to Tim Cool. Maybe the Warrior Open next year. 
we'll have to have a life-size trophy okay <laughs> well, is, def- is that the feed- that's the feedback we're getting okay <laughs> I'll, d- I'll definitely be back then <laughs> all right good stuff but uh yeah so uh, actually i was kind of similar that i just wanted to start a martial art and like that you mm. know you associate like the karate kid karate and it just so happened that it was taekwondo i got into and like yes. that you're, when you're a kid it's kicking and punching in a white suit it's all the same really yes. to you and then so you yes. stick with it and then you end up going on going on a, a a lifetime journey pretty much definitely and you know for you know for us it's you know it's our passion it's what we do you know every day of our life now but it's also funny, you know, I've had my school for 21 years and I still get parents, they've probably been with me seven years, eight years, and they're like, oh, you know, Johan is karate on over Christmas. And I'm like, oh, no, no, we've stopped. I don't even bother yeah. correcting them now. You know, the kids know and everyone knows. I think there's, it's a lot more, you know, because of the Olympics as well. But still, it's it's funny. But it, normally everyone, karate kid or some sort of martial arts film is the reference. And then, and then you start training. Yeah, you kind of have to just... I think you do yeah, just just give up kind of correcting that for a while. So <laughs> yeah. like, uh, they might yeah. figure it out eventually on their own. <laughs> yes. So th- did you would you have competed much then when you when you started as a color belt or anything like that as a kid? Um when I was <clears throat> in the art school club, not really, to be honest. Um when I was fifteen I started training with um well Grandmaster's Grandmaster Trevor Nichols. Uh that's when I switched to his club. A really competition focused club. And that's when I started competing sort of regularly. And I just, and I loved it. And I think it's, um, you know, I love kickboxing as well. And, you know, the competition element of it. But when you have a a martial art like Taekwondo, where you've got a belt system, there's a way of sort of acknowledging your progress. And, you know, that's represented with the belts naturally. And I think competition is another way of reinforcing that as well. And there's so many important skill sets that we, you know, tell for the parents and sort of life sort of skills that you learn when you're competing that for all our students they have to compete so I started when I was very young now we teach a a pre-syllabus the little warrior syllabus for three to six roles and when the kids are five they have to compete as well that's in order to you know they get badges I don't get a badge you you don't get a badge we don't get a badge in a dobok but you've got you've got a world title so you're okay but uh (laughs) but they get a cool badge that they put on their dobok so everyone knows they're a competitor and they've stepped into the ring and they've been you know They've, they've been fearless and courageous so that that's good for them so i started when i was about 15 yeah i always i always tend to say that like the, the well we try to promote obviously the, like the in taekwondo's the tenants and, and what that can kind of bring and that side of martial yeah. arts and, and for me i know you feel like that i feel and for, for me personally the best opportunity to like express those is through competition um exactly you know that that's that really where it brings it out like all like you know having to have persevere and all that sort of stuff is when you've been knocked back in competition like that that's where it really kind of brings out that's what i feel that competition brings out the all those elements um i i think so i think there's that dedication and there's the work ethic that's necessary and the the commitment to achieve and I, and i also think in terms of um socially as well you know we we all see each other probably more than we see our friends outside of taekwondo and we're living in different countries you know yeah. And everyone shares the experience of having to cut weight or having to train or having to miss a family event or a birthday or a party. And and also what's amazing is that you'll compete against someone and then straight afterwards your you know, this your friend before for four minutes of the of this of the bout with the break. So five minutes you want to beat them and you're doing everything in your power to beat them, but they're your friends afterwards. And I always think well, there's one time here in 
in, well, in the UK and Wales when I fought Christian Oriolani to the Welsh Open. And uh, I fought Christian in the semis and I lost on that occasion, but he was on his own. He was on his own. So then for the final, I coached him. A lot of people were, you know, they didn't know were looking. I said, Christian's my friend. You know, I wanted to beat him in the semi, but as soon as he goes through, then I'm, I'm there wanting him to win. So I think we all share that experience, you know, if ever anyone's around, if my students are, are competing and, you know, I'm on another ring, I know any number of coaches, any number of friends will jump on without hesitation. And that's important as well. It's the sense of sort of friendship and, um, you know, and working together that, that that's important as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it is a strange game that uh, as friends you put you punch each other in the face for fun. Yeah, and like it's a, it's a strange <laughs> one. Yeah, well, you got to be good friends, right? To take a take a shot in the face and still go for a go for a drink afterwards as well. So no, yeah. definitely, I think it's it's the right spirit there. Yeah, and it was a a funny story like that with just like when you're trying to promote competition to the parents and stuff. I found I actually we're always like that. The same in in the club. Uh, Adrian always sends out you know the, the newsletter and that to kind of tell the parents like why we need to why we encourage competition but I actually found a newsletter from like 2004 2005 so I would have been about a green tag at the time and I found All it right. in a drawer and it pretty much most of the newsletter was explaining the exact same reasons for why we promote competition and like that 15 16 years ago it's like it, it just doesn't go away that those reasons to compete no, it's no matter what, it's it's kind of yeah you, you could have copy and pasted most of the newsletter and and it would still ha- it yeah. would still hold up, which I kind of thought was uh, was kind of cool. No, definitely. I mean, there's been a lot of evolution in certain elements in the training methods and uh, tactics and things, but there are certain core elements like that which remain the same, which is why you're training, what you're trying to achieve, the spirit that you sort of trying to embody. No, it's it's funny then, so that you that you found that, and it's and it's remained the same. And. Um... So like in terms of competition, would you have competed much kind of at an international level or was it pretty much like, you know, going to all local competitions throughout England and the UK? Um, so as soon as I got my black belt, it was pretty much all international competitions um, all over the UK as well. We used to do some open events, so not just Taekwondo, so mixed mixed disciplines. Um, and we travelled all over the world, you know, so I was with... Uh, on my, you know, the, the, the t- we were really close. We had, a, you know, um, Mandy Brawley, who's a master now, Lee Hollisworth as well, a master. And we used to travel with Grandmaster Nichols literally, you know, all over the world. We were in America, in Canada, in Norway. At the, It was, you know, Norway competing in Bergen in 2003 uh, in Canada. At the, so it was, it was all over, really, and getting the opportunity to compete internationally was huge. And that's never really stopped. And that's why, you know, with my team, with the, with the guys I mean they probably do seven internationals a year you know and that's not including um, you know the, the world or a Euros or, or a World Cup you know um, you know there's a lot of competition nationally but I think in order to get a lot of a variety of competition you want to you really need to travel and so there are certain events that we'll try and be at every year yeah I think I think sometimes you sometimes see maybe a difference of opinion like that Um some people would say, you know, lots of competition is good and the more you can compete, the, the better chance, opportunity you have to kind of get sharp. And then I see other people maybe say you don't need a lot of competition if your training is, is on point, that, you know, you, you don't have to compete as much. I would be more so kind of, I kind of like to regularly compete. Um, yes. Because I think there's, there's other things like just having to put yourself through a preparation, a warm-up, the nerves, 
the more you do that the more you expose yourself to that I feel like the better chance you have when the big day comes but it sounds like you're kind of the same that lots of competition is more the sort of way to go I think so definitely I mean there's there's value in both ways you know you can you know if you look at your nationally in Ireland you know the level of competition is unbelievable so you're getting world-class sparring partners week in week out you've also got world-class coaches and the same is of England same in many countries Um, but the one thing I think it's difficult to replicate is when exactly what you said which is when you go abroad when you're at a competition and you've got the nerves or where you're used to competing so much that the nerves are, are maybe something you can control but it's waiting it's the uncertainty of when you're going to go on trying to manage that. Um, you know, I think that's really important for the guys. And, and to be honest, when I, as a national team coach, I noticed that the most with the younger athletes coming through. So you've got the guys breaking into the team when they're 14 or 15. And I think there was a noticeable difference between those that had competed regularly, were used to the international stage, used to seeing world champions walk past them and national team coaches and things and used to big screens and, you know, hundreds of people around and those that were still elite fighters, elite competitors, elite performers. And, and um, but this, the occasion was a little bit new for them. And, you know, that takes a lot of energy. That's a, you know, adrenaline dump after that is, is difficult to manage as well. Yeah. The, I find the, the first one, the first year big championships is always a, an eye opener to everybody. That, yes. Like you said, yeah, there's, cause I, you do forget that actually, like everybody is, um, is in the same arena. You are walking past the world champions, multiple time world champions, people who could mm. be seen, you know, the best people in the sport and it's your first time at the championships and you're just walking past them. Everybody's just floating around the hall or you could end up warming up next to somebody like that because yes. it depended on the schedule and that can be like a, an experience and if you don't, if you don't know, if you haven't done it before, then it could affect your performance. Definitely. No, so that that's why I think competition is, is important. Um, that's an, an, at an elite level, but even for the younger kids, they don't go abroad, but they compete every, you know, as much as possible. So, you know, they have to do at least three competitions a year in order to grade, even our little ones. But that's more a case of, you know, when we talk to the parents, you say, we say, we hope that they'll never have to use the skills that they learn to defend themselves. We hope they're never in a, in a situation where they have to sort of defend themselves. But if you do, you want them to be prepared to use them under, you know, when they're under stress, under pressure. And the only way, the, the closest way to recreate that is in a competition environment. Because even when you spar in class, you're with your friends and you're in your usual dojang, so it's no problem. So again, that's what it is. And it's, again, in terms of performing in front of another a lot of people. And you, know, you have a number of world championships in their own dojang. Uh, mm-hmm. World champions in their own dojang. But when you step on the mats, can you, can you re- recreate it? And uh, that's why I think the top athletes, they make it look effortless. But the reality, of course, there's so much effort that goes into it. But it's the preparation, it's the familiarity with the surroundings that that, that they're used to, and I think that regular com- tournament participation really helps that. Yeah, because like even like with, with self defense, for me the first it, the first the number one thing is fight or flight, and if the, yes. and if if when if when you you like you go to a kid and you say the competition is we're going in three weeks time to this competition and they suddenly start getting nervous and maybe they get scared and then all of a sudden they go I'm going to stay at home well that was flight 
It's like the, yes. fir- the first thing is, yeah, you got nervous and you're scared, but the first thing is standing up to that and just enter the competition. And then you can work on, yes. then you can work on when you step in the ring, what you do and that sort of pressure then. But the first thing is you got to step into the competition. You got to step out on the floor. Definitely. That's it. I mean, that's what I've also tried to explain. Uh, you know, if you've got a collab or if you, because of social media and, you know, there's awareness, people are seeing world champions and European champions and, but it takes real courage and everyone is a champion if they just step into the ring in the first place. To step up there, knowing that someone is going to try and kick and punch you, albeit in a sporting environment trying to score points, that takes a lot of guts. You know, so that's that's what we think, you know, and that's what we sort of tell everyone. That it's, it's, that's the most important lesson. And then if you do well in that, you get to the next round, okay, great, that's a bonus. And then next round, that's another bonus. But stepping in each time, you're you're a winner already. Yeah, one hundred percent. And so, like, when did you said you've had the club quite a while? Um, would you have when you were it first started the club? Would you have been competing as well at the same time, or had you stopped competing when you opened when you started in the club? No, no, I was competing. So I was nineteen when I opened up, and uh, I only really stopped competing. I'd say about five, six years ago. So it was trying to manage the two, um, but you know, as with everything, the club evolved. So it was on a Saturday morning, just one day a week. And I started doing weekends, uh, after weekends, sorry, weekdays. Uh, and then it sort of just continued. And then because there's a huge tournament culture in the club, typically all the students were traveling with me as well. I think, I'm trying to think which tournament it was. I think it was the UK Championships. 2010 is when I, when I had a real, I had to think twice about competing because uh, we were at the selections and uh, one of the guys... Um, Stephen Watson, he's, he's a really good friend. He's still a good friend. We just spoke the other day and he was competing and he was about to go on and I chose to miss my division to coach him. And uh, I didn't even think twice about it. You know, he, you know, he was competing and the team was, you know, other students were competing and I was one of the more senior black belts. He's not my, he wasn't my student. He was a teammate, but a junior teammate. And that's when I realized, you know, as an instructor, you have to put the team, you know, your students first. And I was, I was happy to do it. But then I did, you know, it did of of course impact my 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 competition career and ability to compete as well. But it's something I did happily. Yeah. Did you and did you find that the kind of when your students start to get into a level like worlds and Europeans that maybe you didn't have as much time to focus on yourself and you had to put more time in towards your students and your athletes? De- definitely. I mean, I demand a lot from my guys. I'm, you know, they're a great, you know, the black belts. So I teach many of the black belts at the moment. And I'm very lucky. Um, they all inspire me to be a better instructor. Um, but I'd ask a lot of them. They train. They train a lot with me. They're training sometimes twice a twice a day, sometimes five days a week. And then I felt if I'm asking that of them and I'm not doing the same, I didn't feel it. And I'm trying to compete at the same level. Then I didn't think it was right. You know, I need to lead by example. Um, and then also, I think my focus, I wanted to, to, to focus on how I, you know, if it was a chance to train myself or do an extra session with them, I'd definitely do a, a session with them. So it was a, it was a natural progression. Uh, but as, as the students got more senior and as the level increased, then I had to focus more on coaching and teaching rather than competing. Yeah. I think like 
like obviously Adrian, my own coach, would it would have been the would have been kind of the same. And I know even mm-hmm. like someone like uh, Stephen Ryan, I think he's kind of the same as since happened to him. As I like, could continue competing, but the time that he wants to give to that he need to give to himself is the time that he's decided to give to, to his athletes and spend time and help them achieve their goals. So I think like that's kind of it, it is one that kind of does affect uh, many coaches that when you start to get people to that level, you kind of have to just drop back a small bit from competing and put time towards them. Definitely, uh, yeah, and I think that's what it is. I think that's the difference between being a coach and being a being an instructor and being a, a competitor. You know, you'll always want to put the 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 student first, the competitor first. I think we ever, we all do it happily. I think we've all had a very all of us had a great career, travelled and competed and and had success as well. And so you know, you kind of get more out. I personally always get more out of coaching someone to to achieve something because then you get to share that experience with them when you're competing. Of course, it's a wonderful achievement, but it's something that is also quite personal as well. And if, if you feel that someone has achieved something that is an ambition of theirs and in some way you've contributed to it, uh, that's, that's very re- rewarding as well. And would you have spent most of your time, because I'm right to say you were in one of the other ITF organizations for a period of time, would you have spent yes. most of your time competing in that organization or what was the kind of... Yes almost all my career was in the other organization so um that was the itf with um grandmaster nichols it was part of the trojan itf grandmaster so we were in that itf so most of my competitions the only one really i did was the world cup in jamaica that's for, with our itf now um maybe a happy coincidence that the first event was in a beautiful caribbean location um but yeah that's a, that's our first one because um after I, you know, after I left, we were, we were sort of considering and, and, you know, I think, you know, there's, there's all organizations are fantastic. They all have incredible competitors and, and, uh, wonderful, uh, coaches and instructors. But, uh, when we joined this ITF, I think it was the best fit for us, best, best organization for us. Yeah. You, I suppose you were kind of lucky enough then as well. You had you had people at that level that it wasn't. You already had people at that like it wasn't like there was much of a difference in you had to up up your level like you were already. Oh, you, thank you, you. That well, no, it's it's. I'm pleased you think so. Yes, I mean we we had a lot of that was our first event, and I think you know we got sort of four gold medals, and you know so I think that was because we, we we took about two years before we before we joined, and that was because we felt we needed to level up. Um, in the sense that I, I see, I felt there was a system in our in our organization, you know, and we wanted to see, you know, I studied that, saw how competitors were were successful, what sort of a bit, techniques you needed, what kind of tactics you needed. So there was a progression there, and we trained the guys, and and yeah, we had a very positive start, and then the guys got into the national team for England straight away, and then I started coaching as well, so. Yeah, I'm really pleased that that we were of the of a standard because I think the standard is unbelievably high. So you know, if if, if we're if we're on the right path, then that's that's a great great place to be. Yeah, and do you have many people still training from when you would have first started in the club, or is it all a, a new crop that has kind of transitioned? It's there's been a no, change. No, no, I've, I've lots. So my first club, which was in Wembley, which is still going now, so that's 21 years ago. So uh, Tamilini, who runs that. So, uh, Miss Penitharaja, um, Tam started with, with me when she was 12. So she has been with a student of mine for uh, sort of 15 and a half years now. And so a couple of years ago, we all went for her wedding. 
And uh, so I have quite a few students that are still training. A lot have trained with me for 10 years or more. I'd say there's probably maybe 15 or 20 that have been with me for at least 10 years, 15 years. Yeah. So quite a lot. And then it's great. We've got new kids coming in all the time, new ones joining. And uh, it's hard for me to keep, to, to keep track of all of them because we've, you know, we've got a few schools now. So I typically just teach the black belts and the instructors. And then I go around visiting the clubs sort of once, uh, once a month or every couple of weeks while the instructors run them. But uh, no, we've got, we've got the old school still there. Yeah. Still did, telling everyone how it was. <laughs> did, did, you, did, did you find it hard to kind of maybe delegate like that, like to give up some of them classes and allow other people to take control of the, the color belts? Um, no, you, you know what? I, I think I have so much faith in the guys. And, you know, I'll always say they're the ones that inspire me. So, uh, you know, no, I'm very lucky. We have a great team. So in addition to myself, there are 10 other instructors in our association. And I've trained all of them, uh, with the exception of two from, from White Belt. So, um, no, I'm, I'm just super proud of them, really. I think uh, that's why I consciously don't go to the club too much, uh, because they don't need me to, because they are fantastic. I mean, they're always asking me to come and I'm always welcome, of course, but... Um, I think it's more a case of, you know, it's really nice to see that there's someone who I've had an influence on and being able to coach coach others because there's only one of me, but now there's 11 instructors, so we can teach more children, we can teach more adults. I mean, th- there are some funny things, you know, I'll go to the odd class and I'll be, you know, and I'll say, oh, that's a bit of a brutal class. How come you kept giving them burpees every every two minutes? And then, you know, we had an instructor meeting and then you know, it sort of came out that the younger ones, these are the guys that have been with me a long time. And the reason they were doing that is because that's how I used to teach them. And I was 19 at the time. Okay. And whereas now I'm a bit more, I'll think twice. I'm like, oh no, maybe the, maybe the kids were tired. Just give them no need to have a punishment or a incentive to, to, to train harder. But it's nice to see that now. And um, no, I was more than happy to, to, to see them teach and, and train. And I'm very proud of all of them. Yeah, nice. And so then, like, you've since started the coaching for Wales then as well. How did that kind of come about? Yeah, well, it started first. So first I was international coach for England. That was fantastic. And uh, really enjoyed, really, it's a real privilege to, to coach the squad. And then, um, you know, at the end of my, my time there, you know, um, Mr. Ernest, Neil Ernest, he's a legend. You know, Neil, that, Neil's one of the reasons why I wanted to coach on the England team as well. I wanted the opportunity to 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 work alongside him and the other fantastic coaches that were there. But Neil's creating something very special um, in Wales. Uh, he has a fantastic group. You know, um, it's a small group to start off with. It will grow, but they're all they're all great, and they're all his students. You know, uh, the Marjit, and there's some new new students coming in, and he asked me if I would I'd like to work with him. Uh, and I did so. So, I mean, I've stopped coaching with Wales now, uh, but I, w- I was with him for one Euro and a, and a World Championships as well. And sadly, of course, these, these Euros aren't, aren't, uh, aren't going ahead this year. Um, but it was more a case of I saw what um, Neil was trying to build and I was I was very happy to, to be part of that, a small part of that, and, and try and help him. And it's great to see what they've achieved already. You know, we had a World Championship medal, European Championship medal, and I think that was the first medal in sort of 10 years. Um, so two tournaments back to back. But it's more just seeing how the the national team there is growing. So from a, a, a team that was based 
predominantly with students from his club, which is any sport in Cardiff. We have the guys uh, from Wrexham, so Viviana and, and Sevi, they joined. And then there's another club that's joined as well, um, Norris Club. So, yeah, it's, it was great to see that. So it was uh, the reason I took it on. It was a really interesting challenge and a different challenge to what we had with England, which is a big group, number of associations. And we're just starting something, you know, uh, sort of from setting the foundations for something else in Wales. Yeah, it's a, it, it it all seemed to happen fairly fast. He was, you know, back to he had his club in Wales. There was an association. There was the national team. There was he had yourself on board. It all seemed to just like nearly snowballed, and it went from he was with England to the next thing he had a national team, and it all like just took off very quick. And like you said, taking right, taking the, the championships. Yeah. Yes. No, I think that was always the plan. He's a, you know he's a proud Welshman. He's the you know the most he's one of the most highly decorated fighters of all time. But you know the top top one there so it was always the plan and he was always working and so I was head coach with England but Neil was always very very open you know we all knew that he was trying to build something but to have him coaching any squad even the England squad you know he's an inspiration to the to the guys um and uh no he's been working really really hard and it's fantastic to see what what he's achieved and how well the squad's doing did you find it hard to see some of your own your own guys competing for uh, for England and then you having to coach Wales and not being able to coach them at, a, at the Euros and the Worlds? Did you find that a struggle? Um, yes, it was. It, it's tough, you know, like, you know, Shane, Mog, your guy. Yeah. So, you know, Mark is, you know, and Archie as well and Jamie, um, Jamie Powell. I think it was difficult, but but equally, the coaches in England are fantastic coaches. You know, they've got such expertise, such experience. <clears throat> and the way I saw it was, I might not be on, I might not be actually in the ring, but I'm actually at the event. I mean, even if I wasn't coaching, I would still be traveling to the, the events to support the guys. But they are surrounded by elite athletes from the rest of England with top coaches in the country. So it's more of a personal thing that I'd like to share the moment with them, but they train so hard and they're fully prepared before they get there. So, um, you know, it was difficult, but I knew they'd be absolutely fine. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I, I know it does. See, when I see like my sister competes and you, you get kind of worked up on the side uh, and, you can't, yeah. and you're kind of shouting, but you're not fully sure that they can hear you. Did you kind of have something to say in yourself? It's like... Oh, definitely. Because, you know, you know, it's tough, right? Because you don't want to disrespect the coach that's ringside and, you know, don't want to maybe send mixed messages if you're saying something. But to be honest, we're always on the same page anyway. And uh, no, it's good. It, you know, it is difficult. It is difficult. I remember in 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 Italy, yes, hello, when uh, so Adam Bonwick. So I wasn't, you know, I was Adam's coach, but I was working with the national team for England, but I wasn't ringside. But it was Neil, so that was fantastic. And Adam got to the semi final, and it went to extra time, and then it went to sudden death. It went to like sudden death, golden point. And my hand, I was filming it at the time and screaming obviously, and my hand was shaking. And Steph came up to me. All he did was he just took the took the phone off me and just carried on filming because otherwise the footage would be all over the shop. <laughs> um, but no, that was that was amazing. You have so many people around you, and the guys are surrounded by experience, and and uh, they're all in good hands. And then so like the uh, the obviously early in the year, and I had actually I had I had Stefan on the on the podcast uh, the other day. And he was spoke a bit about the Dragon Warrior tour. Um, yes. And kind of get your get your take on how how that kind of came about. 
Oh, the tour. Yeah, I mean, that's an absolute dream to his, you know, someone I, he's one of my best friends, like family to me. And uh, someone I, I looked up to when I was training, I still look up to now. So the tour, what happened? So I just met Steph at the, um, you know, Master Brothers camp, the Brother camp when Thomas was there. And uh, we just hit it off straight away, really. I mean, that was, basically, I'd done a seminar in England just before the Brother camp. Uh, Master Willie and uh, Master Ryder were, were coaching here and uh, so I did that and there wasn't really enough time to get any of my black belts there because it was so short notice so I went on my own and then I just kind of hit it off with Steph and we spent a lot of time together and then you know uh, we kept in touch and then he came for a seminar here and then I said oh you know would you come and do a master class at my dojang so we do host big seminars but I also host kind of master classes where it's limited to sort of 10 people or 12 people. So Master Yedit's done one and Mark Trotter's done one as well and Master Leandro. And the whole point of those are it's really meant to be kind of an intimate experience where the student really gets to know the, the guest uh, instructor and, and vice versa. And uh, he was staying at mine afterwards and, and you know, we were talking about the, the, the master class and, you know, he said, he sort of had some feedback on the guys. So then we actually worked on it and the guys that sort of took part, we sort of send some notes to, and he said, Oh, you know, that was kind of cool. We should teach together sometime. Right. So that was it. It was just one sentence. And that was three years ago. And I think we've, I think we've taught is it three continents now. Yeah. All over the world now, three or four continents we've been on. And it was literally, uh, that was cool. We should teach together. And then that was the tour. Planted the seed. N- Pardon? Planted the seed. Planted the seed. Planted the seed, and then we ran with it, and we're and, it, and we're we're going strong. You know, it's uh it's so much fun to teach with him. Uh, you know, he's inspirational, and uh, we do what we love, and hopefully that comes across. And we, you know, we we really enjoy it. We're going all over the world. We're with Mark and Master McPhail in New Zealand. We taught in Australia. Uh, we just came back from the Caribbean. So it's tough, obviously, you know, tough, <laughs> it's a tough life, but someone's good to do it. Yeah, like the, the, like following some of the, the videos from the, around, being, when you were in around the Caribbean, uh, it looked quite cool, but you have to get in Carnival and uh, and that, so. Yeah, I mean, two highlights for, for us, uh, of course, it was the opportunity to meet everyone, but one of the personal highlights was also teaching alongside Master Hutton, who's, who's incredible, an incredible instructor. And um, so we just sort of, it was kind of a Caribbean festival, Taekwondo festival. So Master Hunt taught his Cubs and then he taught the martial fit program, which is fantastic. And to see his energy is great. And then Steph and I taught as well. And then afterwards, I mean, the guys, you know, um, Sabam Ryan and Bossabam Franz um, and the whole team there, they were so, so welcoming and you know, they wanted us not just to teach the guys and meet the guys there in Trinidad, but really experience the country and the culture. So they insisted that, you know, of course, they insisted that we went to carnival and we went to the parties as well. And, you know, Steph and I, you know, we had to agree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, carnival was amazing. What an incredible experience. And, uh, yeah, we feel very lucky to have had that experience. Very fortunate. Yeah, they, they got quite a... They got quite a treat over there, like yourself, Stefan and Master Hutton, all around the same kind of week. It was, uh, you know, it was a, a good week's training. <laughs> oh, thank you. And the guys, you know what it is? The guys train hard. 
they're good guys a lot of talent there sparring was great you know if you you got some you got some soldiers there they were really they were they were really and there was no there's no light contact let's put it that way everyone was there to to mix it up so we the three of us liked that in particular but thank you it was a you know, it was really nice to share the experience with so many sort of dedicated, passionate people. Do you think we'll see the, a team from that kind of part of the world at a World Championships or World Cup soon? I'm pretty confident you will. I'm pretty confident. Let's yeah, that way. I think we saw, we, saw, we saw a lot of talent and, uh, you know, I see no reason why. I see no reason why they, w- they wouldn't. Yeah, the sooner more, rather than later. The more countries we can get, a, we can get along to these events and uh, the bigger we can make the World Championships, the the better I think so and, and that's why we travel a lot you know I was very lucky I've also been very lucky to to be on Grandmaster Boss's uh, development um, program for, for Asia as well and I think there are so many countries with so much talent and it's just getting access to getting access to information and getting access to regular training um, and yes we want to see more countries at all the events you know it's wonderful to see so many countries represented and so much ability in all of them as well. And so then, how did obviously we, you kind of just mentioned it that uh, the Warrior Open we managed to to squeeze that one in before before everything went into lockdown. And how yes. did that how did that tournament come about? Because this was the first year of of that tournament. That was the first one. So um, that's actually been two years in the making, two and a half years. So you know, I went to I trained with uh, Katya and Oleg at the um, at the Fight Evolution camp in Ukraine and Tim was there a couple of years ago and I've known Tim so we've been going to the Holland Cup for about six years that's one of the regular events we go to and then um, I wanted to have a tournament in London and uh, I wanted to you know I, I think there are some incredible tournaments in, in the world but one of my favourites is the Holland Cup and uh, you know I told Tim I'd like to do a tournament and I'd like for it to be as good as the Holland Cup and he said, oh, well, you know, thanks. You know, I'm glad, I'm pleased you feel feel that way. And I said, okay, well, for it to be as good as the Holland Cup, then you need to do the tournament with me. <laughs> yeah, and he went, oh, right. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, it's our tournament. Two of us do it together in London. And he said, okay. <laughs> so again, it's a, it was pretty pretty straightforward conversation. And then I, I had some ideas about how I wanted it to, you know, I wanted to do a league from back then, offer something different and, you know, it was, I was thrilled to see you there. It was great to have you there and, and, and Adrian and the team. I mean, even your division, that was a serious... That 57 division was serious. Yeah, it was good. You know, every... Yeah, every every fight. And But that's what we want. I mean, and the reason I we, you know, we do it in March is typically there should be a global event the following month, within, within four to six weeks. And that's why we thought if Black Belts are coming and they're getting four or five rounds against other top internationals and you know we can encourage that kind of competition there then it's great mat time it's great mat time for everyone and maybe links back to something we said earlier about you know having the mat time that helps with your timing and your preparation for the other event now you guys are all champions so you all want to win you know every every tournament and every spa which is great um and that's how it should be but equally sometimes if you if you get the mat time and that helps you just fine-tune things so then you can get the global medal or the global title i think some people would you'd accept that as well yeah but even like i found the benefit of that tournament and it can often be the same with like a, an open dutch is that like 
when you're at the Irish competitions, there is a high level, but it's a lot of the same people. So you mm. get to go to these tournaments and fight some different people, people you don't get to get to maybe usually fight, and you get to see different body body types, different styles, and uh, that that that's the benefit of like you said, go, going to those type of tournaments, and um, it gives you a chance to fight high level, but also okay. di- di- different people. Definitely, I mean we're very lucky here in Europe. You know, it's uh, you've got the Open Dutch, you've got the Roma Open, you've got hopefully out. You know, people consider our one now as well. Then you've got the British Open, Holland Cup. You know, whereas Axel, you know, they they flew over. Axel Silvio flew over from Argentina. Doyalke lives in Spain now, but he he flew over as well. Um, but yeah, to try and provide that variety of of competition is important. And I think at the level that you're competing at, I think you have to move outside of the the national you know national events really to kind of get that mat time. And so, will there be? Any changes to maybe the format or anything like that for next year? Is there anything, anything you're looking at switching up? Um, well, you know, we've we've had some really positive feedback. There's, of course, room for improvement. Um, but I think the thing that worked in our favour is everyone saw that they'd been planning and, and thought gone into what we'd done. And if there were any any teething, you know, it was our first, first time running it. No, we're definitely continuing with the Black Belt um, Leagues. Uh, that's the that's the key. We will have a black belt league, um, and I think, you know, I think inevitably, in, invariably, we'll probably need to have it over two days. I think that will be something because you know this was our first time and we had three hundred and fifty something competitors. You know, so that was that was great. But uh, of course, if you've got any any suggestions, you got to you got to let us know because we want to attract the top fighters in the world, the top instructors. So, what? How did you find it? Uh, I thought it was a I thought it was a very good competition. I thought there was some good level. Um like I got like I said, I got some good fighting against some top level guys. Um uh, maybe having the ring a, a touch bigger might have been might have been a little bit nicer. Maybe not the full size, nice. but maybe just a little bit bigger. Um yeah. again I don't know how like I under I know there's other things like uh, scheduling issues and stuff, maybe uh a little bit lot maybe two rounds instead of the one round, I don't know, maybe like two one and a half minute rounds. Could be something, yeah. but again, I understand it. Like, there's for rings, there's space restrictions, and there's obviously for time arounds, there's scheduling. There's only so much time you have in the day. But uh, yes. those may be some of the things that I would like to see. But I understand that there is other maybe stumbling blocks in the way to uh, that, that kind of. No, definitely. Well. But I mean, that's all valuable stuff. I mean, we did think about that. You know, ideally, we'd be doing two twos. You know, recreate or either one. You know, something like that. I think what we're trying to do, what Tim and I are trying to work towards, is we're very grateful to. Well, everyone that attends, the competitors and the families that spend the day there. So, you know, you saw we had a DJ there. We had things like that as well. That's to keep everyone going. But we also want to try and attract the top umpires in the world as well. And all the umpires at any tournament, they work so hard. It's a thankless task. It's a long day. And the reality is without them, there'd be no tournament because there's no one to officiate. So these are all things that we're working on. And, And, you know, when we have the more people to help and you know this time we had our volunteer team at 40 strong so these are all you know i think we look at the rounds i think the two twos or two one and a halves might be something that we're working towards and i think you kind of hit the nail on the head it's really scheduling that was the consideration there so we sort of offset the fact that there weren't two rounds with the fact that people might have four fights four fights or five fights yes so trying to match the two yes yeah, yeah i do i i I do really like the the, the league uh, kind of for aspect to it and guaranteed a, a, a number of fights. Um, yes. Well, yeah, the, like they've 
like they said, if you're to maybe add in the two twos, then maybe you don't get to have two your a league and you know. So yeah, I think yeah, it is a challenge to find a balance between what's the what's the right time and and uh, how many fights and guaranteeing people fights. Yeah, maybe the idea would be two twos and the league. You know that that's what we would be working towards. I mean, that would be a full on day for you guys. In be it, nice. you know, be nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it'd be, great. it'd be great though, right? So I think. Yeah. Because there's there's so many, there's so much logistics. Like if we split it over two days, you know, typically it would probably be the juniors that we'd have to move. But part of the, you know, we had our little ones there. We had the five girls there, and that was done on purpose because we wanted them to see the black belts compete because they're future black belts, you know, and and they're going to be inspired. And you know, you're talking about how you were made, was it a green tag when you saw that when you saw the newsletter or the green belt that that's yeah, how old yeah. you were. But we want kids to come and see you guys fighting see people coming from abroad and, and say oh one day i want to be on that ring with the computer scoring where everyone's crowding around and, and watching as well so it's trying to to manage all those i mean i i, I was at uh, a good friend ariel alamano's he has a summer cup in uh, february in in argentina i mean the, the tournament culture there is, is awesome it's crazy but the day starts at 8 p.m it probably finishes about 11 p.m People are fully prepared to start fighting at eight, nine o'clock. And then, you know, everyone has a little bit of a party afterwards as well. So we, we could do a we could do a day that finishes at ten, but I don't think it would it would go down well in, in Europe. No. You know, it's supposed <laughs> to finish at five. <laughs> but um, you know, I think the scheduling we're we're trying to work around it, but what's been really encouraging is that people such as yourself and the other coaches have written to us, provided feedback and said, you know, they've all been said, you know, we like this. Have you thought about this, this, this? And we appreciate that because it's it's that kind of support and feedback that we need to, to improve because as with anything, we're always looking to improve. Yeah, but I think based on last year, I would it's more than likely I I will I'll go back next year and experience it again. Um because I right. got 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 some good fights in. Um Well as long as I've got that life size, that full size trophy, right? <laughs> that, that that that's a benefit as well. Sure. Yeah. Was, it? yeah, that's yeah. it. That comes in. Um I've seen uh Obviously, the last couple of days as well, you've started the the TKD kind of techers. I know it's been an Instagram thing that you've had going, but YouTube is kind of have you taken to YouTube? Uh, what's kind of the, what's the idea, or maybe goal behind behind that? Sure. So the techers TKD techers is something actually has been a project I've been working on for the last two years really. So we launched the Instagram page in uh, January 2018, and now we've got uh, twelve and a half thousand followers on there. And it's where I share sort of um, training sort of drills, um, typically sparring, sparring techniques. And I sort of break them down, um, either ones I'm doing myself or what I've seen it, that I'm teaching at a seminar or, you know, when I'm when I'm at a seminar from from the guys, you know, so I've got uh, stuff from Mark Trotter there, from Oleg, from Julio, from, from all the guys. So the plan was always to release an app, so a training app. And, uh, you know, that that's actually coming out in the next couple of weeks. So um, really exciting times. And then with the YouTube channel as well, that's kind of supplementing it as well. So YouTube, uh, we sort of launched properly over the weekend. We have all the color belt tools up there performed by Axel and by Silvio. And we'll be releasing all of the band, all of the competition patterns. So our first, second, third and fourth degree are coming out as well. We've got some fights, top fighters in the world. You're featured heavily. Yeah. You see, so uh, you know we've got that. We've got uh, tools as well. We've got special technique. Um, 
so yeah, I think what I'm doing is releasing my tra- the TKD t- uh, Techers training app. And that's kind of been the main goal. That's been the focus. So kind of build a community of people who I think have taken on board and, and like the way that we present the material. And it's to provide a training app that will help you train at home, uh, you know, when you're when you're out of the dojang. So the, the strap line is train on your own, uh, but not alone. So, you know, so many of the students are asking us, oh, so, you know, when I'm at home, what should I do? So you can give them exercises and things, but sometimes it helps to have a little bit of a structured routine, just just guidelines on what you can do, different ways of, of training something and practicing. And so that has been the main goal to, to release this training app. And we're just days away now, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, and the, uh, maybe now more so than ever, something like that is, is needed. Well. Well, it's cra- it's crazy. I mean, you know, yes, li- yeah, I think so. You know, I think like I said, we started off by by talking about how I miss seeing my students and I miss that in that interaction. But yeah, it, it does seem to have happened at the the right time in terms of, of being able to engage people. So hopefully, it'll be uh, well received. I'll be I'll be letting you know when it when it's out and uh, sending you the details as well. So uh, yeah, again, any feedback would be appreciated. Yeah, I th- I think the like the YouTube stuff, like the videos and stuff. I think that's great. Um, like a lot a lot of times recently, uh, there hasn't been many videos coming from major tournaments. Like I know you can go back on the live stream and and find matches, but again, like that, if if there's a certain match you want to see, it can be hard to go back and find it on the live stream. So I think yes. like like, like that. I think there is something for that needed um for for videos like that to be posted onto YouTube for individual matches to go to go back and watch. And as um, I found, even the ones from the European Championships, like th- that gives a better angle. It gives a better view with the scoreboard. You can see like Hong and Ian, and even other matches. You can see yes. what you can have a, see what was happening. Whereas I'm pretty sure the, the live stream camera was on the other side, and it's much further back, so it's much harder to see. What and you don't know the score. Yeah. So that's what I kind of found was a. Uh, it was good to be able to oh, go back and watch that. That's the that, that's the most popular that's the most popular clip already. You know that's uh, that's that's been crazy. That yeah, because I film it myself whenever I can, you know, when I'm not coaching. And that's exactly what I was trying to get. I was trying to get an angle where you can see the scoreboard as the guys are, as the guys are competing. Now, it's not always possible, but we've got more Euro stuff coming out as well. Um, got some footage from the World Championships, so we're releasing something every weekend. Yeah. Every weekend, plan and, and lots of things. Because I saw, because I, I do remember uh, seeing you at the World Championships, uh, video, and when I went back on the live stream, I could see in the back of it, and I was kind of like, was like, where is he going with that? Like, that video isn't anywhere. <laughs> so, and then it's like, ah, well, there was a plan for it to go somewhere. Just, you know. There was just, a plan. Yeah. So. There was there was a plan. So this is uh, sharing all the footage with, uh, with, with you guys, and also trying to get rid of the, uh, I think, I think 7,000 videos on my phone, which is right. probably the situation everyone, everyone's in, all the clips and everything. So uh, it's uh, twofold. But no, I'm, I'm really pleased. Um, you know, I mean, that was a great fight, Hong and, and Ian. Uh, you know, you know, that was an unbelievable performance from Hong to in that championship generally. And, and Ian fought beautifully throughout as well. And all the performances, you know, I'm, I'm a coach and I was a competitor, but I'm just, it's just great to see the level. I mean, if you look at the, even the junior divisions, unbelievable. Yeah. The, the level in the, in the sparring is, it's, it's always going up, which is, uh, which is, it's just great to see. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, no, I, and, and I think you're noticing that, especially when you see juniors coming through and, and being able to transition seamlessly into the seniors you know if you you know 
Daniela and Alamin, then you know they mm. would you know in in 2015 Alamin was a junior against Adam, my student in the final, and then you know pretty much I think every final he's been in, every yeah. Euro and World final. Uh, so I think that's a that's a sort of really shows the level at which people are training in their clubs and in the national teams, and then junior to senior, no problem. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you are seeing more and more of that. People yourself as well. Yourself as well. You get I, very quiet. Are you very it's, modest? It's a long time since I. It's a long time since I was junior. You see. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you were competing straight away from junior, right? You 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 came up, and I think probably that's the the training you've got at home and the guys you're competing with, perhaps in squads. But yeah, yeah, yeah I started. Uh, I went. I went straight from junior to senior, and. Um, and I have uh, I've done a lot better straight away as a senior than I even did as a junior because I never won a sparring yeah. medal as a junior. But my first uh, yeah. Euros as a senior, I managed yes. to take it take a silver. So uh, it's kind of a, it's strange how it happens like that. Yeah. No, it's, no, no, it's great. It's great to see. Yeah. But I think I I think like that you are starting to see guys more who are winning in junior divisions stepping up and being able to do well in senior divisions like the guys you named and even um, I suppose Vitaly in 57 has jumped up and managed oh, yes. and has been one of the top guys in 57 so I think yeah, you are seeing more that there's there's seems to be um, especially with the guys winning at junior there's maybe less of a learning curve I think if you haven't been winning at junior stepping to senior can still be a bit of a, a, a learn, there can be a learning curve there I think so and again that goes back to the regular competition I think you yeah. know, competing with the guys at that level, getting used to the environment, and then stepping up. And yes, like I said, Vitali, unbelievable. You know, it's uh, straight up, and that's a that's that's your division. Mm-hmm. I think that I think all the divisions are competitive, but the fifty sevens that's serious as well. You know, so many the uh, the world championship, European championship. There's no easy round. Um, so it's it's you know it's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's. I think it took a while. It had taken a while to I think build because you were coming from the old minus fifty four division, which was, you know, it was quite small, and uh, it's taken that bit of time to, you know, re- people really to fill out fill out the fifty uh, the fifty seven division, and have a really competitive, um. So I think we kind of that's what I think we're really seeing now, but yes, you know, but like even yeah, the, you're seeing, at the world championships is up there is up on. 45 people in in the division whereas before when it was 54 it would have been a lot less so i think the change has been very good for the for the kind of um for the microweight division i think so and and you've also got guys who probably could fight well do fight at 63 coming down to 57 as well i mean everyone typically cuts one weight class don't they you know they they compete (laughs) compete all year round in one and then global event the one after you know the one lower but uh i mean every division every division junior senior female male you know all big divisions and all great competitors and in terms of your club and maybe even yourself as a competitor would you have been more like sparring or more so than patterns or have you always been a mix or like is it still balanced within your own club and stuff no always it's always been a mix for me personally um i love sparring um probably known more as a sparring coach um but i love the the technical element of uh, of the tools as well of, of the patterns and and then of course the, the the breaking is super important as well. The one thing I never did was special technique. Um, you know, I like to think I was athletic enough to do it, but no, generally the reality I was wasn't. Um, <laughs> but it, <laughs> well, in the club is interesting. So all the students up until black belt have to do everything, 
they have to compete patterns and they have to compete in sparring. And then when they get to black belt, I let the guys specialize. And it was really after Jamaica that I allowed that because before it used to be, I used to compete in everything, you know, so I've won, you know, medals competed in all, all disciplines. But when I went to Jamaica, I saw there were guys coming from Argentina just to power break or just to do special technique. And then I suddenly realized it's, you know, there's two ways of looking at it. Should you be a complete martial artist or should you also respect someone that is totally focused on one discipline and, and one sort of aspect. So I think um, as a competitor, that is, I let the black belts specialize. Uh, but in terms of black belts in my club, if they want to grade, they have to do their patent. So, you know, Shane O'Rourke, he's, he's mad for patents. He just, he just hides <laughs> it from you guys. You know, he's always leading the patents. Um, and uh, Louise trains with me now. Yep. Louise McCarthy. Yeah, Louise, it's like Louise wants to do patents every day. No, maybe not, but uh, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but the guys, the guys in the club, all my all my black belts must do everything, if they wish to grade, or if they're training regularly, of course. Uh, but in terms of in terms of competition, they can specialize, uh, and that's fine because I think the level of competition is so high, you know, t- you know, to be an elite sparer, and then to compete an, at, at an elite level in patterns. There is so much technique, so much finesse that is required, and there's such different skill sets that I think, you know, unless someone is a professional athlete or has work or family commitments that allow them to dedicate that amount of time, I think they're not going to be successful. And that's why, you know, huge respect to the guys that are competing at a top level in in more than one discipline. Yeah, I... I... Up at all, even last year, I would have competed in both. I felt like I could, mm. I felt I could do both. Um, but I got to the stage, but I got into four degree patterns. I did both once, and then it's kind of I'm looking yeah. at it going. Um, you're looking at guys like Lillian, and yeah. it, was, it was just patterns, and it's so good. And the time I'd have to put in to, to get my patterns to to beat him, um, and to beat some of the other guys who are just doing patterns in that division, it, 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 I'd have to take time away from sparring training, and I don't really want to do that. Um, right now at least so that's kind of why I step back and said right I'll go full full on into and just just focus yeah. on sparring but like that I would have always done both and I think there is a benefit to I think there is a benefit I think it's nice to see people do both but like you said yeah it, it comes down again how can you split your time and well, what have you the best chance of a medal in to maybe your best to spend most of your time there yeah I think there, there are such elite competitors in every division I think in the back of your mind if you you know you could say oh would I be sacrificing doing really well in one and maybe doing all right in two and and that's the thing is there's limited hours in the day and yeah. limited amount you can train yeah and I found out myself just not even the at the tournament not having to worry about patterns is after the way after the way cut and the way in you get that extra day recovery you don't have to go and worry about warming up or training patterns you can just rest and I find even at the squad yeah. the squad sessions even before it was uh, they were longer days because it was sparring then doing a pattern session then doing another sparring session whereas now I've got that break in the middle so it's just spar rest spar so I feel like I perform better in the sparring sessions even so I found a benefit to to stepping back from patterns but like that would still do them in the club and that but just yes. maybe not that sole focus um, so yeah there there is a benefit like to to stepping back and, and focusing on that one no, I, I think so. You know, there's lots of ways of approaching it. It's a good way to start the comp- start the tournament. You, it's typically on the first day. 
for a world championship and it's you know you get you can get on the mats you can have a feel for the mats or it can be a distraction and you know you, know, you could it's a day of rest that you've missed i think you know so many people react differently but i think there's huge benefit in doing both and also understandably uh, a benefit in, in focusing on one yeah and as well just before we finish up and um, if you had to pick if you had to pick a favorite fighter who would it be doesn't necessarily even have to be taekwondo it could be i don't know maybe from boxing or maybe it could be mma or oh. or it can be from taekwondo it's a uh, like i said your, your favorite fighter who would you pick my favorite fighter i'd have to, I'd have to say the dragon right otherwise uh, it would <laughs> no i think answer. i i think you know I, I named some guys here you know of course i work with neil and and, and thomas as well you know they're all legends um and I think to pick a, your favorite fighter is difficult. But in terms of Steph, I feel because he was one of the first to transition into other arts. You know, he's WTF world by you know vice champion, uh, MMA, K1, um, and he had an awesome ponytail, <laughs> so immediately recognizable. That was great, great uh, media. Uh, presence there but I think Steph as well but you know Thomas you could just see he was a machine and, and moving forward and, and the way Neil moved that's in terms of the you know but there are so many great fighters I think um, you know you got Katia and Julia as well so I'm trying to name everyone I'm trying to get out of naming one particular but if you're forcing if you're forcing my hand I, I, I'd have to say the dragon yeah, I don't think there's any, anybody going to argue with that one too much. Um, like, I, uh, like I said to him the other day when he was on the podcast, uh, and you kind of cemented a, a true fighter in the sense of the word, like that crossed the, uh, went across a number of different sports and was successful in in, in all of them. So, uh, yes. so uh, a good pick, a good pick. Thank you. So, good, uh, no, good stuff, thank yeah. you. So like that, I think we'll uh, I think we'll leave it there, we'll wrap it up. Um, thanks a million for coming on, I really appreciate it. My and, pleasure. Uh, I've really enjoyed the chat. Likewise, thanks so much for having me, Jamie, and uh, it's great to great to speak to you as well. Thank you. Yeah, you too, and like that, we we'll hope we'll be back training soon. We'll get to some competitions, and uh, we'll get back for the the Warrior Open next year. Good stuff. Look forward to it. Uh, take care. All the best. Okay. Thank you. Take care. See you.